This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. A Canadian man with no bad health habits is hard to find. We'll detail the eye-opening results from a groundbreaking Canadian men's health study. And, like a scene out of the futuristic cartoon The Jetsons, personalized robots are here. Imagine growing old with the companionship of one. You can buy your very own iPal next month when it becomes widely available in North America. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Just like Lucy's advice booth from Charlie Brown, Toronto seniors are dispensing wisdom to strangers as part of an anti-ageism initiative. Senior Carol McNeil is part of the program. The Fairview Nursing Home resident suffers from Alzheimer's disease and traveled with organizers to a nearby park recently to talk to people of all ages about everything from dating to the history of Toronto. June is Seniors Month in Ontario, and these Chat with a Senior programs promote intergenerational dialogue and combat ageism. (music) Expect to live longer if you describe yourself as religious. Researchers at Ohio State University reviewed obituaries looking for links between religious affiliation and longevity. On average, religious Americans lived between 5 and 10 years longer. The authors suggest that believers may have the edge because of social engagement and support, stress-relieving practices, or abstaining from unhealthy habits like alcohol and drugs. The study is in the Journal of Social Psychological Personality Science. Because we come from everywhere, we all come from Father's Day was extra special for a 98-year-old Newfoundlander taking in the hit musical Come From Away on a visit to Toronto. Great-grandfather Harry Whalen got the surprise of a lifetime when the cast sang Happy Birthday to him following the Father's Day performance last Sunday. East Coast senior jumped out of his seat for a standing ovation in the Pack Theatre after watching the show with his wife of 68 years. His daughter Cynthia Whalen organized the big birthday surprise. It was also a special birthday for a 104-year-old New York woman who celebrated alongside her sister, who turned 106 in April. The Cuban-born sisters live together at a rehab nursing home in the Bronx. Ampara Perez says she feels great, except for high blood pressure and poor hearing. And her secret to longevity is to do your best to take care of yourself. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 
Here's an eye-opening statistic about Canadian men. A staggering 72% have unhealthy lifestyles that are bound to catch up with them. The Canadian Men's Health Foundation is hoping that giving the details about smoking, drinking, diet, sleep, and exercise will motivate change. I reached Joe Rockert in Vancouver. Unlike other health studies, which are often released and we see it's, uh, you know, X number of men have cancer, X number of men have heart disease, X number of men have type 2 diabetes. And when you look at this research in this study, what we're doing is we're looking at the path rather than the destination. What we wanted to do was take a look at health on the path that you use to get to those places and what can you do on that path so you don't end up at that destination. And this is what this research does. It takes a look at the path and it takes a look at the five behaviors or lifestyle behaviors that actually contribute to chronic disease and conditions in guys. And so we want guys to take a look at these five lifestyle behaviors and almost look at them like a rung on a ladder. So if you have five, you want to move to four. If you have four, you want to move to three. If you have three, you want to move to two. And if you have one, you can try and get to zero. So it's kind of a different way of looking at health and and how guys can view their health. You found that a staggering 72% of Canadian men have unhealthy lifestyles. Were you surprised? Uh, When we did this research, we really didn't know how the results would pan out. We knew smoking should be around 20%. That's a a lifestyle or a bad habit that's been studied a lot. And we knew that the Canadian national average was 20%, and our average came out at 19.8. But it was the other four that were really quite eye-opening. When you take a look at something like, you know, 62% of Canadian men have an unhealthy diet. That's a big number. 54% of men don't get the right kind of sleep. And almost 60, 59% of guys don't exercise enough. Those are really, really big numbers. And what they do is they give us a starting point to work from. So now we take these numbers and we say, okay, what resources and, and all that kind of stuff is out there? And how can we start measuring men on this new kind of baseline survey? We already know that obesity is increasing. We already know that type 2 diabetes is increasing. You know, you don't want to make an assumption, but there is a path there to suggest that these numbers are increasing and that they might be bigger than they were 10 years ago. Exercise, diet, sleep are probably getting worse and not better. And you found that only 6% have none of these bad behaviors. Yeah, pretty small, huh? Did that surprise you? Uh, again, surprise is a great word. You would like to think it would be more, but yeah, it's it's not that many guys. It's something that we all have to work towards, most definitely. How many had one, how many had two, and how many had three or more, which makes them unhealthy? Yeah, so 6%, 5.9% had zero, which is you know considered the very healthy category. If you had one, that was 21.9% or 22% of guys in Canada. So that's, that's a pretty good number. I fall into that category. I'll admit that. The second one is two unhealthy behaviors, and we consider that borderline. Then that's 30.8%, and then 41.5% of guys have uh, three to five unhealthy behaviors. So big chunks in the borderline and in the unhealthy category. And we combine those together to get that 72%. So when you're in that borderline category, you want those guys to really start thinking about how can they go up into the healthy category as opposed to dropping down into the unhealthy category. It's hard to imagine there is a single guy around who doesn't know that doing these things is bad. Why do you think this will help and is it a bit kind of uh, nanny-ish? 
Well, I, I think this will help because everybody knows, you know, I should watch my drinking. I shouldn't smoke. I have to, you know, get more exercise. But a lot of people don't understand what the guidelines are around that. So I'll use sleeping as an example. A lot of people don't understand how important sleep is to your health. And the optimum that men and women should be trying to get is actually seven to eight hours a night. And a lot of guys don't understand that. So by providing this information and providing the guidelines around these lifestyle behaviors, that's the next step in guys understanding their own health. So, you know, with alcohol consumption, there's two factors. And one of those is, you know, you can have 15 drinks a week. And that seems like a really big number. But it's how those 15 are organized. So our guidelines are no more than three a day, two alcohol-free days a week, and you can't stockpile your drinks. So you can't say, well, I didn't drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm going to have nine drinks on Thursday. It doesn't work, you know, because that's the other uh, component to uh, unhealthy drinking is binge drinking. And so that's six or more drinks in the setting. So when you tell guys this information, they actually are empowered. They tend to go, okay, I know what to do now. So what we're asking guys is, you know, Take on one little small thing and really get good at that one little small thing before you, you, know, you move on to the next thing. It's, it's about small changes and making those small changes into habits. And then generally, again, what happens is the domino effect or a compounding effect. A lot of times if a person makes change in one area, they're going to start making changes in other areas. So I'm starting to exercise. Maybe I should have half fries, half salad when I go for a burger with the guys. Or, you know, I'm going to watch my drinking. Uh, if I'm going to watch my drinking, wow, look, I'm sleeping better. So it compounds and dominoes through each one of the five lifestyle behaviors, which is pretty darn cool. Older guys are more cognizant of their health. Uh, can you quantify that? Yeah, generally what that is, is men, when they get past age 40, 45, now they start encountering their health problems that they didn't kind of manage in earlier life and they start to build. So a lot of guys, when they get to their late 40s, early 50s, are now introduced to the healthcare system in a meaningful way. And so they're engaging the healthcare system. They're going in for chronic diseases and conditions. And when they go in at that point, then they start managing their behaviors much better. Okay. I think that wraps it up. Joe Rocker, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. That was Joe Rockert of the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, robot companions for seniors. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. It's already a reality in Japan, and it's coming here soon. Robots can provide the answer to the two big worries for people as they age, safety and loneliness. It's a personalized robot called iPal, and it'll be available to consumers next month for about the same cost as a high-end computer. Dr. John Ostrom is the CEO of Avatar Mind, the company that makes iPal. I spoke to him ahead of his speech at Idea City. We're starting to do prototyping in elder care facilities to, you know, give many of the residents more personal attention because, you know, they're often there aren't that many caregivers. And so we want to provide a somewhat better quality of life for the elders, too, in uh, assisted living facilities and uh, senior communities. Also, children with special needs and children with autism, other areas like that, we're also um, starting to work on. So describe the iPal, its radio, uh, and how it works. <laughs> Uh, well, basically, it's a humanoid robot. It's about uh, three and a half feet tall, and it has arms, legs, a moving head, 
And it doesn't really look exactly like a person, but it looks almost like a cartoon version of the person. And the reason of that is that we wanted the robot to look friendly and non-threatening to people. We thought that was very important. So children find it attractive, older people find it attractive, and so we've had uh, you know, quite success with the design. And uh, it has many, many motors to control the arms, so the arms can move, the head can move, it can run around on its wheels, and uh, it can do many other types of activities. It has uh, you know, songs, games, stories, you can talk with it, and also, you can do safety monitoring. For example, a mother at work could actually use a smartphone to control the robot at home to check up on how their child was doing, even look through the robot's eyes, the camera in the eyes, to see how the child is doing, connect with the child, etc. Is the iPal actually in use anywhere, or is it still a prototype? We actually are in full-scale manufacturing. So where we are right now, the first market for us actually was in China. And uh, we're now selling them in China, and it's being sold to uh, places like families. You know, the Chinese are very interested in getting the best education for their children. And so they see the robot as a device to teach science, engineering, but most importantly to teach English. Uh, Many Chinese children start to learn um, English at an early age, but they don't get experience speaking English. And so the idea with the iPal is it can go home with the child, and it can teach language just like a human being would, in addition to just, you know, text. Writing. So we have a Chinese version. It will be coming to the U.S. as a consumer product for the same market in mid-July. And we're actually selling a developer version of the robot, too. Um, and that's been bought by universities and a number of early adopter organizations. How much does the robot cost? Well, it costs about $2,500. The only other robot that's available with similar capability costs $25,000. And our real goal was to make... Um, a robot that was affordable for ordinary families, not just institutions and large companies. While it's not a cheap device, it's about the same amount that people might pay for a Mac computer or something like that. As we get new software, uh, new versions of the, the firmware that actually improves the performance of the robot, the person can choose to have that downloaded. And so they would automatically be updated. And so once you get a robot with the basic hardware, we will provide those software upgrades. No robots or no chatbot actually can talk to an adult human at the same level. Uh, You know, if you've used Alexa or any of the other systems out there. But we can do quite well for children and also for older people. The requirements are a little bit less severe. We have a couple different options on our robot. In fact, for those of you who know Alexa, we actually uh, have Alexa on the robot. So if you have an Alexa and Amazon Echo device at home, this will just fit right in. In some of the assisted living facilities, it turns out that many of these are quite older population, and very often, many of them don't really get out, are not too active, and they don't see as much the outside world as sort of uh, middle-aged people do. And for that case, we can provide them with certain things like, you know, custom entertainment. We can talk about the things that they're interested in, and the robot can learn that. We want to provide services such as companionship, entertainment, education, safety monitoring, very often for populations who can't get the help they need because of cost or availability. We've done prototyping in some, uh, like I said, elder-assisted living facilities, and I can tell you what basically they would like to have in a robot. First of all, they'd like to have a robot that would give personal attention to the different residents. In other words, it would go up to them, say, hello, how are you doing? And then it would also have customized for the sort of entertainment they like. So a person could easily access 
access into like 40s music or you know classical music or anything it would give them a one sort of simple portal where they could access all of the information and entertainment they want it can also lead songs games the robot can also monitor people remotely, so caregivers and even doctors can actually use our remote control facilities to examine the people in the residence to see if they're doing okay and if there are any issues, uh, whether or not there should be a follow-up. And uh, even physical therapy. Another thing they would like to have is many of the people in some of these facilities, they're not very active at all. Many of them are in wheelchairs. And so what the caregivers would like is a robot that could actually come up to them and actually sort of lead them in some simple physical therapy, arm movement, things like that. When will the robots be available here? I think in small quantities, they're available now. In fact, I think we will probably be, well, certainly we'll be taking interest from people at this Idea City conference. Probably in July, I think in mid-July, we're scheduled to have the final version of our English IPAL. And I think at that point in time, we're ready to ship in quantities. We're in full-scale manufacturing, so availability will not be a problem. Okay, great. John Ostrom, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. That was Dr. John Ostrom, CEO and founder of the technology company Avatar Mind that makes the personal computer iPal. He was a speaker at Idea City. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a mega music star celebrated a birthday this week. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. The waterfall runs down the wall and across the floor, but the flow is an illusion at a new interactive museum in Tokyo. It's the work of Team Lab, known internationally for innovative digital art that creates otherworldly experiences. Half a world away in Edinburgh, the advances in the technology of travel over the past 170 years are the subject of a new exhibition at the Scottish National Portrait Gallery. Transportation of a different type is on display as part of the Great Exhibition of the North in Newcastle, England. Among the artifacts, the piano John Lennon used on Double Fantasy. I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. You'll also see the spacesuit worn by Britain's first astronaut, Helen Sharman. And in Palermo, Italy, Manifesta 12, the European nomadic biennial, is presenting the work of 50 artists at 20 different venues until November 4th. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. He's one of the few people you can truly call a living legend. This week, Sir Paul McCartney celebrated his 76th birthday. He was born June 18, 1942. McCartney is widely considered one of pop music's finest songwriters. With the Beatles, he penned some of the most enduring hit songs of the 20th century. In the 70s, he continued to churn out chart toppers with his next band, Wings, and since then, he's enjoyed a very successful solo career. He's also well known for his activism on animal rights and his philanthropy towards musical education. Today, we'll celebrate Sir Paul's birthday with one of the most popular songs from his Beatles era. Here is Penny Lane. Penny Lane, there is a That 
was The Beatles with Penny Lane. It was one of their many hits written by Sir Paul McCartney, who celebrated his 76th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.